Lord, as we look into your word, we continue to praise your name. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to us today. Your word is our food, it's our life. Reveal yourself to us. Remind us of what we already know, but take us deeper, deeper into you. Lord, where our thinking is wrong, change it. Where our heart is not in tune with you, change it. And Lord, help us to focus on you and on you alone. For endless days we will sing your praise. O oh Lord, O oh Lord our God. Thank you and we praise you in the name of Christ. Amen. Anyone done their Christmas shopping yet? If you have, don't admit to it, because everybody else will be. In case you're wondering what to buy the pastor for Christmas, I put a little list together just for your benefit, because I know that, you know, save you a bit of time. Can we have the, uh, the first picture up? There you go. I don't want the yacht, just a week on the yacht. Do you know how much that would set you back? Do you know whose yacht that is? Abramovich's yacht. And what's it called? Being a Chelsea fan and all that. You don't know. It's called Eclipse. Set him back 485 million pounds, apparently. Nothing for an oil baron. Do you know how much it would cost you for a week on the yacht with my wife, of course? 100,000, not quite 100,000, what do you think? 500,000, oh, you must really like me, no, not 500,000, 2 million, just a crisp 2 million pounds, no, okay, I guess, for a week, uh, not pesetas, no, that's pounds, sterling. It's a snip now that Brexit's kicked in. You know that, don't you? Anyway, if that's too much, how about this? A pair of sunglasses. Do you know how much those cost you? How much? Three pounds in boots <laughs> where you get the three-for-one offer, that kind of thing. They're not quite boots, sunglasses, I'm afraid. Five pounds? Hundred pounds? No. Five thousand? Ten thousand? These are Dolce & Gabbana's sunglasses, the DG2027B to be precise, and they would set you back a crisp 350,000 pounds. One wouldn't really want to wear them outside, would you? That's the kind of pair of sunglasses that you leave on the beach, isn't it? And you go, oh, what have I done with my sunglasses? Anyways, let me ask you another question. What do you think God wants to give you for Christmas? What do you think God wants to give you for Christmas? 
I read a couple of little Dear Santa letters. I read loads of them, but these are the best. Dear Santa, if you bring me a toy late last year, please bring batteries too this time so I don't have to wait until the shops open on Boxing Day to use it. Love, Lucy. But the best was from Matthew. He said this, Dear Santa, please just text my dad. He has the whole list. How lazy is that? <laughs> Isn't that brilliant? Anyways, you know, God has already given us our Christmas present, hasn't he? Let's look at our reading for today. It's from 2 Timothy 1.7. You know, sometimes when you read the scriptures, you find real nuggets in there. You're kind of reading, 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 and then suddenly a verse jumps out of you. And it says, for the Spirit, let's read it together. For the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Let's read it again. For the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. God has given you His Holy Spirit, yes? When you become a believer in Jesus Christ, you have the Spirit of God in you. He gives it to you. And He doesn't give it to you to make you timid. Timid means shy and cowardly. God does not make us cowards or shy people. Now, when I was younger, I was very, very shy. I was... I was one of those kids where I would be sitting here watching the dance floor. You remember? And they're all up there dancing. And I'd be sitting here, and then a girl would come over and go to my friend next to me and ask him to dance. And I was left all on my own. And so I used to go up and get my Pepsi and whatever and be sitting there just praying no woman would come over and ask me to dance because I didn't know how to dance. I was shy. That's what timid is. It's like saying, oh, no, 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 don't, don't let me do anything. I don't want to do anything. I just want to sit there on my own. Just leave me alone. Let me get through this ordeal that we call parties and get home unscathed without everybody laughing at me because I can't dance. Let me just stay here on the side. That's timidity. That's cowardice. That's shyness. But the Spirit of God does not give us a spirit that makes us shy. But it says he gives you these three things, power, love, and self-discipline. Let's just look at those. These are three gifts that God has given to you and to me. The first one is power. Let's have the next screen, please. Power is that word we looked at a few weeks ago, dunamis. What's that mean? means power. What kind of power? Do you remember there's different kinds of power that God has? The miraculous power. God has given you, he said, a spirit of miraculous power. You have it. It is yours. You feel that? Obviously not. You're still dealing with the shyness and timidity. Do you feel that power that he has given you? He has given that to you. It's yours. You have it. He doesn't say in this verse, the Spirit of God gave us, does not give us or make us timid. But you have to wait and ask God for the Spirit of power, does it? Someday God's going to give you a spirit of, of miraculous power. It doesn't say that. Someday if you ask Him and if you become good enough and you've been in church long enough and you've, 
you've held certain positions in the church and you've served your penance long enough, then he might give you a little bit of power. It doesn't say that. What does it say? It says he has given you the spirit of power. The spirit of God has given us dunamis, his power. What kind of power is that? Well, it's kind of Christmassy, isn't it? So let's, let's read a Christmas story. Paula's going to come and read to us from Luke's Gospel, chapter 1. You will know this story. But listen to what the Spirit of God says, the angel of God says to Mary. So in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And the angel left her. Thank you. See what it said? Can we have it on the screen, I think? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the dunamis, the power of the Most High, will overshadow you. Overshadow in the Greek is the same as, do you remember in the Old Testament, the cloud that led the people of Israel? It's the same word. So it says the power of God, the dunamis of the Most High, is going to kind of come on you like a shadow. And then you're going to conceive the Son of God. So going back to Timothy, he says, you know what? The Spirit of God has given you that same power. The question is then, well, how do we tap into that, isn't it? How many of you right now today could do with some of that power in your life? You're going, you're struggling with things, and you're saying, Lord, I need some of this power. And the truth is that we don't really need to ask God for it. Why? Because he's already given it to you. He's given it to us. What we need to do is to tap into that power that he's already given so that we can then put it into practice, into operation in our life. It's a bit like if I was to, uh, let me use this as an illustration. Is this my jacket? I'm going to say to Luciano here, I need some milk. There's a 10 pound. Go get me some milk. Londis across the road, go get me some milk. That would be awesome. Just stay there. <laughs> It'd be like me now. Now, he has the power to go get the milk. I've given it to him. He's not going to say, I've got nothing. I can't get milk. I didn't bring any cash with me. 
He didn't even bring a plectrum, a pick, to play his guitar this morning. So he definitely hasn't got any cash. So I've given it to him on loan. I've given it to him. (laughs) But he just sits there and he says, David, well, I can't get milk. I need money. And I'm going, yeah, but I've given you the money. No, 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 no. I need money. I need money to go get milk. And that's what we do to God, isn't it? God says, I've given you the power. That's what his Bible says. That's what his word says. I've given you the dunamis power. And we keep saying, Lord, send your power, please, into my life. And he's going, I've given it to you already. I've given you. He's fondling my 10-pound note. Yeah. He's going, whoa. (laughs) I've given it to you. But we're sitting there going, yeah, but I need it. I, 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 need, I, I need your money. I need, I need the power. I need the power. I need the power. And he's saying, yeah, but I've given it. I've given it. I've given it. How many times do I have to tell you in my word? You already have it. You have the ability. Now, what does Luciana have to do? Well, he has to go and use the power. I'm not going to get milk. He's not going to get milk unless he goes and puts that power into operation. Look at it like this. It says here, doesn't it? For nothing is impossible with God. You have that power. The power came upon Mary. And that same power is available to you and to me. Let's look in the, on the next screen in John 15. My favorite passage of Scripture. The more I mine this passage of Scripture, the better it gets. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish. And what's going to happen? It will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. The first thing we have to do, if we want to realize the power that Christ, that God has given to us through his spirit, is that we need to recognize that we need it, first of all. How many of you have ever done something and you struggled at it? And then somebody comes along and says, can I help? And you go, no, 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 it's fine, I'll do it on my own. Stupid, right? I've done that. Putting a shelf up on your own and you're kind of balancing it there and you're trying to do it and somebody comes along, oh, can I give you a hand? No, no, I'm fine. You're not fine. You could do with an extra pair of hands, but because you're a guy, no, I can handle this. You know, so you keep on banging away and you're holding it up and you're trying to, and you're propping it up on books and everything else and when you finish, the shelf is going downhill rapidly like this. When what you needed was another pair of hands just to help you, but pride gets in the way. The first thing we need to do is recognize that we need God's help. That we can't do it on our own. We need the power of God in our lives, flowing through our lives. So often we just handle things on our own. We prefer to struggle on our own. I'm going to be fine. Uh-uh. God said, I've given you the power, use it. Second thing, we have to admit that the power comes from God. Apart from me, what can you do? Nothing. 
I heard about King Canute. Do you know King Canute, the ruler of England once? Everybody was praising this king, saying, you can do anything you want. And he got so fed up with it. You just say the word, it will happen. He finally said, take me down by the edge of the ocean. So they took him down there. He said, bring my throne with me. And they put it. And he said, put it in the sand right by the edge of the ocean. And the waves were coming in. And it was just a little bit back from the edge of the ocean there. And they plonked him down here. And he said to his people around him, so you say I can do anything. If I order these, this water, these waves to, to not come in and soak me, then they will obey me. Oh, great king, you can do anything. So he started shouting, see, stay back. Well, what do you think happened? He got wet. And the sea gradually came in and it came in until he was up to his waist in water. And he turned around to all the people around him and he said, so I'm not quite so powerful as you think I might be. There is only one who is the king and the ruler over the oceans. And that one is not me. We have to admit, firstly, that we need help. And secondly, where the help comes from. The help comes from God. Now, the difficulty, I always think, is that we often do that as a last resort, don't we? If you're like me, you do. I get a problem and I work at the problem. I think, oh, there's this problem in front of me. Now I have to fix this problem. God's given me all these wonderful gifts. Not just beautiful to look at, I have gifts as well. So I start working at this problem. Oh, come on, let's, let's sort this out. And then it doesn't work. It's a disaster usually. So then I get other people involved. Ronnie, come and help me with this problem. Yes, all right. He comes in. Luciana, I need help with my problem. Come and help me. Still nothing. Good looking and as intelligent and as gifted as they are. Nothing. What happens? Finally, in desperation, at the last resort, maybe we should pray about this. How many of us are like that? I'm not the only one. Come on. You're in church. Ronnie is definitely. Look, see. Luciano can't put his hand up. He's still holding the tenor. We're like that. First thing that we do, the first thing, I've got a challenge in front of me. Lord, I need your power in this situation, the power that you have already given to me. If I remain in you and you remain in me, your word remains in me. You can do anything. And so we get on our knees and we need to learn that that shouldn't be the last resort, but the first place that we turn to. And then what we need to do, the third thing is to align our will to the will of God. It says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, then ask whatever you wish and it will be done. It doesn't just say, ask whatever you wish and I'm going to do it for you. It says, if, if you remain in me and my words remain in you. So our responsibility is for that deep, connected relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to work at that relationship so that we get deeper and deeper and deeper into Christ. The deeper we come, that's our remaining. If you remain in me, if you stay connected to the vine, we don't just turn up when we've got needs. It's not like a, uh, 
a KFC drive-through. I'm hungry, I need a bargain bucket, let me go get one. It's not like that. It's about a consistent going deeper and deeper into Christ. That's our responsibility. That if word, so key in Scripture, conditional. Some things God says, I'm just going to do these things. Some things are conditional. If you remain in me, if we stay connected to the Lord Jesus Christ, and that doesn't mean connected to church either. It means connected in our relationship with Christ. Church is here to help that, but it's never to be a substitute for it. And sometimes people have substituted church for their relationship with Jesus Christ. But I'm in church all the time. Yeah, but you don't know Jesus. You need to get connected to the Lord Jesus Christ, not connected to his church. That's just the vehicle and a way we can help and encourage one another. So he says, get connected, get deep in that connection. And then it says, and if my words remain in you. He's saying also that not only are we to be connected, but our words remain in you. That means his word has to go deep inside of us. We need to believe in his word and be obedient to his word. Those two parts, belief and obedience. When a parent says something to their child, you know when they respond, when you know that they got it? When they do what you ask. Michael, go tidy your room. Don't say that anymore. He's bigger than me and he's however old he is, 28? Yes. Oh. But you know, when he was little, Michael, go tidy your room. Now, how did I know when, when he understood? Well, one, he had to believe in what I was saying, that I was serious, that I wasn't just saying, Michael, go tidy your room. Yeah, right, Dad. No, I'm serious. Look at the face. My serious eyes on, you know, those parental eyes. Look at them. Look at them. And then, how did I know? When he was obedient. When he actually went and tidied his room, then I understood that he had got what I was saying, what I asked of him. It's exactly the same in our relationship with Jesus Christ. How obedient are you to what Jesus says in his word? You bend it around the edges. Yeah, Lord, I'll, I'll obey you for the things I don't mind obeying you for. But the things I find difficult, well, I'm sure there's a theological way around that. Let me just be me. After all, you created me this way so that I can do whatever I like to do. How many believers do you know that are like that? They're not serious about the Word of God. They're not serious about what Jesus Christ has said. They bend it and they twist it and they turn it so that they can stay exactly the same way that they are, instead of allowing the Word of God to transform them. He says, remain in me, stay deeply connected, but also believe in what I've said and be obedient to what I have said in my words and in my words to you. Once you align yourself to the will of God like that, then what does it do? It says, then ask. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. So that fruit is going to be produced. When you think about that story of Gabriel coming to Mary, that's what Gabriel did. Gabriel said, he explained to Mary what was going to happen. And then what did he say 
He said, Mary, she said, how's this going to happen? And he said, the power, the dunamis power of God's going to come on you. And then what's going to happen? Then you're going to be with the Son of God. And even that same power has come on Elizabeth. And she's going to give birth. And what does Mary say? She says, may it be to me as you have said. Mary had to give her consent. Jesus says in Revelation 3.20, I stand at the door and I knock. I'm not going to force my way in. I'm never going to beat the door down and come in whether you like it or not. And the same with Mary. Mary had a choice. She could have said, not on your life. You realize the complexity of what's going to happen in my life if I allow this to happen. Do you realize the mess that you're going to cause me? How can this be a favor from God? This is ridiculous. I'm in serious, serious trouble. Nobody's going to believe me. And I'm going to be pregnant. This is terrible. No, thank you. Go somewhere else. But she didn't. That's why Mary is so so honored. Because of her humility and her love for God that says, Lord, I trust you. Just do whatever you need to do. And I trust you. We need to ask. And allow then the Spirit of God, that Spirit of power to flow in and through us. I heard a wonderful story about a woman in Ireland at the turn of the last century. She was kind of reclusive, lived out on the headland. And she was the first person in their village to get electricity into her house. And everybody was in awe of her. Man, she's kind of reclusive. She's really frugal with her money, but she's got electricity. And then the meter reader came a little while later, a little bit confused from the electricity company saying, you hardly use any power at all. Like, what's going on? Does it not work? She says, no, it works absolutely fantastic. And he says, yeah, but you're not using any electricity. And she said, I use it every day. Every time in the evening when it goes dark, I switch on the power switch and the lights all come on so that I can light my candles as I've always done. And then I flip the switch back off again. Some of us are like that when it comes to God. We flick it up when we need a little bit, and then we go, no, no, I'm going to keep on doing it my own way. Thank you very much. We have to allow the Spirit of God, allow the power of God to flow through us in that same way. Let that Spirit flow through you. Because God has given you everything you need right now for powerful living. He's given it to you. The Bible says it over and over and over again. He's given it already. You don't need to ask, in a sense, for it to come into your life. He said, I've given you the Spirit of God. It's there already. The Spirit that brings His power, His love, and His self-discipline. You have it. What you need to do is to align yourself to the the presence of God and allow it to flow through you. Not just flick it on and off like that lady did and then go back to your own way. Oh, I need a little bit of power today, Lord. Let me just flick it on so I can light a few candles and then flick it off again. He's saying, no, put it on and use the power. Let it flow through you into every area of your life. The same power that, that God used to conceive within Mary, Jesus Christ, is in you and in me.
Isn't that incredible? Just think about it. He's given it to you. It's a gift that he gives for you to use. You need to go and use it. Put it going back. Can we have the next screen? I think it goes back. He said, for the spirit gave us, God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. The word for love is agape. You know, there's four kinds of love in the Bible. We're not going to really look at them in deep detail, but there's storage, which is kind of like family love. That's like the Christmas card that you're about to send to your relative that you hardly ever see. You know the ones. You have big, long lists of Christmas cards that you're going to send. You never see them. You don't really know them, but you send them a card anyway because they're family. And they'll send you a card. How's it going? Fine. How are you going? Fine. Sorted. Done. Happy Christmas. Happy Christmas. Right? That's, that's the first one. Family kind of love. The second one is eros, which is sexual kind of love. Just turn on your television set after 9 o'clock if you want to know more, because it's everywhere. The third one is uh, filio, which is brotherly love, friendship, deep, lasting friendship. Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love, right? But the fourth one is only pretty much found in the New Testament. It's a new word they made up, agape. An agape kind of love is radically different. Agape kind of love is unconditional, sacrificial love. It doesn't depend, and this is where the difference comes, it doesn't depend on the person you're giving the love to. It depends on your own heart. For God so loved the world, that he gave his only son. For God so agapeed the world that he gave his only son. God, in 1 John 4, God is agape. This is how we know what love is. That he gave, he sacrificed his son for us. What does God get out of sacrificing his son? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. What do we get out of it? Everything. Life. God says that he has given you and me his agape love. We love because he first loved us. We agape, next screen I think. Can't remember. We agape because he first agaped us. That is the love that you are to share with one another. That same kind of love. John 13. Is that up there? Yes. A new command I give you. Agape one another. As I have agaped you, as I have just loved you just because I want to pour my love into you. So you must... Love one another. Pour your love into one another. Not just become friends. Not just become cards that you send at Christmas. But actually just pour love into one another. 
without receiving or expecting anything in return. That is what he asks us to be as the church. By this, everyone that you will know that you are my disciples, if you pour love into one another, sacrificially, continually, not because they're worth it. You don't love Paula because she's worth it. You love her because God loves you in that same way. And as God accepts me, as God loves me with all the mess that I am, so then I pour that love that I receive from God into her. Or into Tim. Or into Brian. You pour that love not because they are worthy of your love, not because they deserve it, but because Christ loves you, you pour it out. Now, I want you to think for a moment. How would your life be different if that was true in your life? How would you be different if that was true in your life? If you were there just pouring love that God has poured into you through Jesus Christ and His Spirit, if you are there just pouring it out into your places of work, you're pouring it out into your family situation, you're pouring it out everywhere you go, how would you be different than you are right now? Because so often our love is conditional, isn't it? Pour my love into Luciano, he doesn't pour it back into me. Well, he's not worth it. Forget him. He hasn't even given me my tenor back yet, you know? Pour my love into Elaine. She doesn't give it back to me or she says something rude to me. Forget it. I tried, God. It's not worth it. We make it conditional. I will love you if you love me. How many of you at Christmas have that extra box of sweets by the front door all wrapped up ready to go just in case a neighbor irritatingly comes around that you've forgotten about and they give you a Christmas present? Oh, I've got one for you. And you give it to them. My parents used to do that all the time. You know, can't be seen to be, so it's conditional. I'm not going to give it to you otherwise, unless you come around and irritate me, make me look bad. I'll only give it to you, you know. Uh uh. That's not the love that God says. How many churches do you know that really demonstrate agape love? I know of none. Honestly, none. Yet that is what the church is to be. You look in Acts chapter 2. The picture of the church, no one had any needs because people were meeting their needs. Why do you think the early church, it says daily people were being saved. Daily there was miracles. Daily they saw the wonders of God in their lives. Why? Because they understood and they practiced agape love with one another. Most of the churches that you will ever see, they'll either be at best the kind of filio kind of love, well, we're all friends here. We're not actually fighting one another, so that's a good step. But that's not what the Bible asks us to be. He asks us to pour love into one another, just continually, into the people you find hard to love and the people you find easy to love. Keep pouring it in. As God pours his love into you, just let it flow through you into everyone else. Serve everyone else. Be sacrificial to everybody else. Put your own agenda out the window. and Just see the best in everyone. That is what he is asking you to do. That is what the church needs to be. 
But between that, I think just one more screen. Between those two comes self-discipline. We need discipline. Why? Because the only way you can mature in love and in power is through discipline, consistency. Growth comes through discipline, through consistency. How do you ever get good at something? How do you get good at the guitar? How come you're way, way better than me at the guitar up there? Practice. How often do you practice? Never. You're not helping me here. Sometimes. How many, how many hours do you think you've played the guitar in your lifetime? You can't even count. I bet there was a time where you used to pick your guitar up all the time, every day. You'd just be there. If you ever want to find Ronnie in the church, he's never at his desk. He's always at a keyboard, making music, playing music. Why? Because it's through the practice that we grow, isn't it? Why am I a pretty poor guitar player? Because I don't practice. I don't have the time. It's not what I'm supposed to be doing, playing guitar in the band. So I don't practice. But if you practice, but you practice, you're consistent, you're disciplined in your relationship with Jesus Christ, you will find that growth comes. Maturity comes in the dunamis and the agape. But also, also you need that discipline the balance, power, and love. Because power without love becomes abusive. How many times do we see that in our world around us? You get people with power and no love, and they become abusive. What people in the United States are worrying about right now, isn't it? What's going to happen come January? Is he going to, you know, is he just going to do everything that he said, which was power? Or is it going to be modulated with some concern and compassion for people? Time will tell. But it's the same in the church too. You can have the dunamis power of God and it become really abusive in people's lives. You start lording it over everybody else. You start using that power in inappropriate ways because you're not loving the people that are there. You're not doing it through compassion. You're doing it through authority and power. And it becomes an abuse and an abomination to Jesus Christ. Jesus never, ever abused the power that he had. It always flowed through love. Always. Sometimes with a woman caught in adultery, he got on the ground with her and he knelt next to her. He could have done so many things there, but he used the power that he had to protect her and to help her. He used the power with the, the woman that was bleeding to just, who touched me? Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. He used the power that he had, but he used it with that love. And we need to get that balance right because we always swing one way or the other. And it's through discipline, self-discipline, that awareness that we can make sure that balance is right. Because equally, love without the power it's just kind of, it's just platitudes. How many people do you know where, where you really need some help and they come up to you, you know, 
Carla comes to me. She's sitting in the front row, so I'm picking on her, right? Comes to me. Oh, Pastor David, can you really help me with this? Uh, yeah, I'll pray for you. Don't worry about it. Actually, she doesn't need prayer. What she needs is some practical help. You know? Oh, David, my, my uh, something's broken in my house. Yeah, I'll pray for you. I'll pray for your house. No, she doesn't need a prayer. My shower doesn't work. I'll pray for your shower. She doesn't need prayer for the shower. She needs someone to go around and fix a shower for her. You know? But so often, we just say, yeah, well, I love you. Well, it's not real love, is it? Because real love sacrifices. Real love gets on its knees and washes their feet. Real love actually goes out of our comfort zone and goes and does something to practically help someone else that needs it. It's demonstrated. Real love allows the dunamis power of God to flow through into those situations to bring change and healing and wholeness. Discipline, that discipline that comes from God to balance up the power that we are given and the love that we are given by God into our lives. Where are you today? What do you need in your life today? You need power from God? He's given it to you. You need to release it in your life. You need love? You need the love of God? You need to love like He's asking you to love? He's given it to you. We love because He's first loved us. You need to allow God to release it in your life. Ronnie, do you want to go and play? We're going to have an opportunity just to pray together right now. Because God wants to allow these gifts to be released. He's given them to you. You're believers in Jesus Christ. You have them. The Bible says, I've given them to you. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid. He's given us his spirit, and he's given us his power. He's given us his love, and he's given us his discipline to use that power and love in his life. What do you need in your life today? Do you have the power flowing? Or are you sitting there going, Lord, I need more of your power? He's going, "Uh uh-uh. You don't need more of my power. I've given it to you. Everything you need, you need to allow it to flow. You have it. Release it out of your life. Are you saying, Lord, teach me to love. Teach me to allow the love that you have given to flow through me into others, that I may be a servant to others. You know how to receive the love of Jesus Christ? Let that love flow. We're channels of His love. And you want, to, you want to know how much He loves you? Let that love flow through you. So it's like a river that's washing through you over and over and over again. Then you experience, then you know the power of His love. Because it just flows through you. And it touches you as it flows. I'm going to invite anybody who wants to just come forward. If you need something from God today, if you need His power, if you need His love in your life, or maybe you need more of His discipline. His discipline not to say you're doing this and that right or wrong, but that you actually need, within, the, within God, you need that balance. 
And why don't you just come forward and we're going to just pray, pray together and ask God just to release that in you. It's yours. He's given it to you.